The QC Pod is a production of The Queen's Podcast Lab. For more, visit queenspodcastlab.org. This is The QC Pod, a podcast about the people, projects, and ideas that make up the Queen's College community. I'm Joseph Cohen from Sociology. Today we're going to meet Ava Fernandez and Michelle Fraboni, former and current directors of Queen's College's Centre for Teaching and Learning. We're going to talk about how to teach effectively while online during this COVID fall semester. Ava Fernandez and Michelle Fraboni, teaching during COVID, coming up next. Okay, we are here with Ava Fernandez and Michelle Fraboni. Ava and Michelle are the uh, education technology honchos here at Queen's College, but that's a, that's, a bit, that's a bit flip. Maybe you guys can tell us, you know, exactly what you do for real. Sure. Ava, you want to go? I'll, I'll go first. Okay. So I'm Ava Fernandez. I guess we're doing this alphabetically. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm the Associate Provost for Innovation and Student Success at Queens College, which um, means in one way, it means that I oversee the greatest programs at the college, really. Mm-hmm. Um, programs that are focused on innovative teaching and learning, like something that we're doing a collaboration with a, with a local museum. Um, and focused on making and design thinking. I oversee a large project in STEM education, and I oversee student-focused student success programs like the Academic Support Center, the Writing Center, um, uh, the First Year Experience Programs, Career Center, and, and others. Maybe we'll talk more about those later. Sure. So that's, that's, my, that's my job at the college. I used to be involved with CTL more directly, um, but uh, not not so much anymore. And I guess Michelle, over to you. Sure. Uh, so I am. I'm first. I'm a, a lecturer in the elementary education department. Um, I've been there for many years, focusing on instructional technology. And I, so I'm I'm that, and I'm also the director of the Center for Teaching and Learning, where we you know work with faculty across campus. And, you know, we didn't talk about our disciplinary expertise. Michelle, I oh. think you should say something about that because it all it's all bound together, right? Um, sure, sure. I mean, my, yes, in, instructional technology. Um, I've been working with faculty long before I knew uh, of the Center for Teaching and Learning. I was in my department helping faculty in the late 90s um, help them integrate technology into their courses or even just learn you know, how to use email. And um, I guess that was mid 90s. Uh, so um, it's, it's been evolving ever since. And I started doing faculty development in my department. And then I ended up finding the Center for Teaching and Learning. Uh, you want, tell us quickly about your, your background. Eva. Well, so I'm an experimental psycholinguist, which means that I like to design um, experiments to test yeah. hypotheses about how people process language. And if that makes you a good problem solver, maybe uh, that's that's a good background for someone who's involved in solving the bureaucratic and other puzzles of running pro- big projects and programs at a place like Queens College. So yeah, that's, that's how that kind of connects. Um, but of course, that lens of language and language processing always shades a little bit of the way that I see the world. So Ava and Michelle have been responsible for ensuring that 
Queens College professors have some ability to uh, teach online effectively, like uh, in a way that's up to date with the latest, you know, science uh, and research on pedagogy and educational technology, how people learn, how people interact with technology, things like that. They're the uh, educational technology professors for the professors. And they've been putting on workshops for as long as I've been here at Queens College, begging people, oh, you should try online teaching. And everyone's like, oh, I'm very busy. Very important things to do, I'm sure, you know. Uh, condescending nod of the head. And then COVID hit. And everybody's like, what do we do? What do we do? What, what ha- first of all, what happened, at, uh, what happened behind the scenes when COVID first hit? What, like, what, what did you guys experience? When you knew that the school was going to be going online, what, like, what were your thoughts? So, so there were hints that things were going to be shifting very quickly at the end of February. And other CTL directors around CUNY and you know, other schools across the country were talking about backup plans and how are you going to support faculty in that way. So we started working on a backup plan. We had a nice, you know, website where faculty could go and leisurely look through the materials that we had and start planning in case yeah. we had to switch to online. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> everything, <laughs> everything uh, blew up. And we started offering some kind of, we were calling them just in time workshops. And yeah. They were at the time, at the beginning of March and into the middle of March, we were doing things in person. We had 50 to 60 people showing up um, to work with us and and help transition their courses. And and then, you know, and then we were online. Well, I have to say, I mean, the the whole process seeing it um seeing it evolve is a great testament to the agility of your team michelle um because basically what what kept happening is uh we would we we would expect something but then we would be told something new and then the following day something new would happen and then we would be told yet a different kind of um uh, mandate or, or direction that we should be moving in. And honestly, yeah. that's been going on since now around mid-March, yeah. um, really, where uh, first we thought we'd be going online for just a, a couple of weeks. Right. Yeah. But then there was the, uh, the period... Um, the uh, the period for educational equity. Uh, um, help me remember the name uh, that the university had for it. Um, uh, I remember the recalibration it? period, but that That's was it. Thank you. The okay. recalibration period. And, yeah. um, and then after the recalibration period, again, people thought, um, you know, maybe we'll be back in person in the summer, but we're not in person in the summer and we're still kind of waiting to see what happens in the fall. So, but, but I guess what Michelle and, and the CTL, um, you call them honchos. I don't know. They're yeah. they're, they're awesome. <laughs> they're awesome people. Um, and, I mean, you guys kind of like um, adapted every step of the mm-hmm. way, and and yeah. just like embraced working with people um, to help them get through this really kind of very terrifying period. I mean, 
you mentioned Joe that for yes for about like a decade or a more decade. Mm-hmm. Michelle and I I mean we met you probably at the first workshop that Michelle and I collaborated on that was yeah. uh, 2011 that, or 2010 2011 I'm honored yeah I'm that's honored. it that's yeah. it and um and there you know we were we were having a hard time recruiting enough people to participate <laughs> now Michelle doesn't know what to do with the people that with how many <laughs> yeah, people sure. are coming for the workshops. <laughs> You know, it's also like, it's one of those things how people are like, well, somebody should do a workshop for this. It's like, you can't just improv a two hour workshop. Like you need some lead time on this stuff. Mm-hmm. So it must've been a tremendous job to create all of the training for all of the different departments. I mean, I'm sure dance, the dance program needs something totally different from biology who needs something totally different from who knows what. And you just had to basically like, convert a workforce like mass train them uh rapidly what did it involve like so so we had been the the kinds of online trainings that we've been doing over the years have evolved and we expanded from doing one and two week boot camps into longer semester long workshops and uh so we've been doing that for the past four years i think we would do one in the spring one in or one in, one in the fall one in the summer or something like that where you know it was eight weeks long so we took that and we condensed it um into a two-week workshop but but that's what's happening now since may 1st we've been doing um cycles of two-week workshops but before that Everything was just in time. Um, and so we had about 500 people participate at various times um, in live webinars that we were doing. And we put up all of our materials. We put them in one place, the, the Keep Teaching website. And, yeah, and, um, you know, we really it was it was hard to customize um we really couldn't customize but we tried to tap into people experts from the disciplines who were more comfortable with technology more comfortable being online um so but let's talk let's talk about for those because i'm sure a lot of our colleagues were very overwhelmed and we're just trying to survive the semester rather than optimally teach the semester. And uh, I remember on an uh, an episode of my sociology podcast, I interviewed a sociologist at Google who was talking about teaching. And he was saying that the major mistake that people make or a major mistake is that an online class has to be designed as a distinct online experience. It's like it's not the same as planning for uh, a classroom class. Uh, it, it takes a distinct sort of uh, preparation. We have to do special things. So for those of us who, you know, we've already survived the spring semester and we want to properly design our fall classes to be as good as they can be, what do we do? Like, what are your, what is your advice of like best practices for launching a successful online course for the, the fall? Well, uh, we always tell faculty to start with what do you want your students to learn? What are your learning objectives? You have to start there. Hmm. And you have to look at your existing assignments and think about how are those, how are you going to adapt those for the online environment? Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and what are you going to do? How are you going to create interaction um, with your students, um, interaction between the students? Um, so those are some really big, uh, big ideas that we start with. And I think, um, Ava, we had some feedback from students that might be relevant here in terms of the kinds of things that they feel um, were best worked best for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we had a whole bunch of students this semester, this spring, working with faculty in STEM classes. It's part of that one of those projects I mentioned earlier. Um, they they were serving in a peer mentor kind of capacity, and before the pandemic hit, were supporting labs and helping students study and and facilitating group work in classrooms. Uh, when the pandemic hit, these uh, students became incredibly instrumental in helping their professors convert their their class into something online. Mm-hmm. This is in a in an in a domain uh, that has been traditionally uh, not at all engaged in the online teaching um, mm-hmm. uh, side of things. That is, the division of math and natural sciences had never offered a single online course ever until spring 2020, (laughs) Uh, where all of a sudden they were almost 100% online. Um, So so here's what those students uh, got together with a group of faculty a couple of weeks ago, and they gave some incredible advice um, that I think anybody who's designing a class should really take, should really like, you know, follow, put in their syllabus. I don't know. The first one that, that they kept repeating over and over again is to ask your students how they are, um, to be interested in their situation, to understand. So what is going on with your students? Just ask them. So uh, these mentors told us that the faculty who were successful would start every class with five minutes of, well, how you doing? Is everybody okay? And I mean, not every student has to answer, but it helps just to be asked. It helps, you know, as as we say, to be present and to let them know that you're listening. Um, another really important piece of advice is about trial runs and mock tests and practice uh, scenarios. Um, these students in helping their uh, their professors convert classes would say, well, let's let's do a rundown of what this lesson is going to look like. Uh, practice before you do it for real with with the real students, um, and that really really helps. I mean, we know in um, in all sorts of learning contexts that the practice low stakes um, event is just going to be really useful for the learner. Um, the students stress that breaking things down into smaller, uh, more low stake things always always better so don't rely on a single final exam to get at what your students have learned break it down into 10 little tests um somehow that also helps with it helps prevent cheating because it's more low stakes so students are less likely to be freaked out and worried about how they're going to do on that single item and it helps students also kind of see where they're at early and often um I was amazed that some of these students sat through three hour long classes without a break. So (laughs) have breaks, build them in. Um, And um, I mean, I, 
Oh, oh, and I guess one one last thing I want to mention um, to give students responsibility. So, mind you, this group is 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 particular. They were the peer mentors, and their job, their pay, paid position, was to support these professors. And so they were embracing the responsibility that the professors were giving them, um, and actually really went above and beyond expectations. Um, but I think that the the idea of involving students in the decision-making process and involving students in sort of like the moves that you're making and modifying your class to be as it's online, I think is a, is a really great way to just be engaging and to make the whole thing be more successful. I just want to interject. I, I, I mean, our, I, our kids are such, our students, excuse me, are such good students i want to say our kids are such good kids because yeah. they're young people for me most of them not all of course but like they're really great you know and that that's great feedback so what you're I, this is what i'm gathering you're saying uh between the two of you figure out exactly what you want the students to learn take a look at the resources that the college makes available to you maybe there's some tips lurking in there mm -hmm. a good tutorial Make sure that you're open with the students in a two-way thing. So, like, you're just approaching them as a person uh, rather than an audience member. Uh, practice what you do just to see if it works. Um, you break down grading. Do people still run classes with, like, just one exam at the end? Like, how does that help students learn? There's, like, no feedback in that mechanism. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to just say just as... Uh, a personal opinion of a sociology faculty member. That's not a well-designed course. I don't think professors should do that. That's just my personal opinion. And uh, try to break the lessons down into something manageable. Don't try to do like a 12-hour marathon. Don't, don't structure your lessons as, like so long that you can't even watch them again. Right. You know you you don't have the stamina to listen to yourself speak. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these are all very. It's funny because you know you might expect all of these like high tech things where you know you're like do this, do that, but it's actually just like just talk to everybody and make it sort of a team endeavor and like you know just be a little mindful of it and like a cool person and help people learn whatever it is you're specifically trying to train them for which you should which you should absolutely have and not all faculty do either which is a point to their classes i'll say that as a personal not a you right. know and i, and I think thing. so much of this is actually it's good pedagogy whether it's online pedagogy or face-to-face -face pedagogy and it's yeah. about creating an environment where students can engage with one another with the faculty member and engage with the material yeah. You know what it, boy, you know what I'm walking away with uh, from this one? It's just like try to be a good teacher. Like just help the kids learn whatever it is you're doing. Like put a little elbow grease in and try to be open and like talk to them and work with them and give them a hand. Basically, yeah. that's what I'm understanding here. Yeah. It's like the, that's the secret sauce. It wasn't like four four programs from some startup in Silicon Valley that you got to use in combination. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's right that's right well you know teaching and learning i mean it is about making this mental and emotional connection with with that other person right yeah. it goes both ways but it really starts because the power dynamic is such that the teacher is the one that kind of um 
is perceived as the one leading the show. It's right. really your job to kind of connect with the, with those students, the kids, as you call them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, just I get see. younger every year. I just don't know how that <laughs> happens. <Yeah. laughs> um, but, uh, but but you know, um, it's it's about making that connection, and um, so and I think you know the pandemic has put some of the inefficacies of the way that we teach and learn uh, under the microscope. magnified them um i think because just things are so so weird and tense and delicate right now and so the people that are succeeding are the ones that were already willing to make those like see students where they are and and make those adjustments before we wrap up today's show i just want to give a thank you to both of you as you were saying earlier i was a participant in an early workshop Mm -hmm. And that experience opened me to the world of teaching through media and public scholarship through media. And I think you are very much responsible for, you know, the path my career took in podcasting. So I wanted to thank you. Like you're, you had a real, real influence on my career and it's absolutely worth it for junior colleagues to take the time to learn this stuff. You know, there's, you, you never know where you're going to find you know, new skills that, that shape your career. So thank you to both of you. Michelle Fraboni, Ava Fernandez, the ed tech gurus of Queens College. Thank you very much for coming today. Thanks, thank Joe. You. You've been listening to the QC pod, the podcast about all things Queens College. We're on the web at queenspodcastlab.org slash qcpod. Our theme music is Lake Monsters by John Flansburg of They Might Be Giants. I'm Joseph Cohen. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.